Welcome to Spirits Podcast, a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week we pour a drink and learn about a new story from around the world. I'm Amanda. And I'm Julia. In this episode 263, the holiday rom-com and all its mythologies and ups and downs and glory and heartache and a game. There's a lot to love here, folks. There really is. And it's a bit of a departure from what we usually do for these kind of myth movie night episodes. And we're trying some things different that we're hoping to take over into the new year. So we hope you like it. We do hope hope you like it. We know, though, that we like our new patrons, Candace, Zoe, Tabitha, and Casey. Thank you so very much for pledging your hard-earned human dollars to support a small business, independent creators like us. We so appreciate it. Thanks, too, to our supporting producer-level patrons, Alicia, Hannah, Jack Marie, Jane, Jessica Kinzer, Jessica Stewart, Mieselkins, Megan Moon, Phil Fresh, Captain Jonathan Malachi Cosmos, Sarah Scott, and Zazie, and our legend-level patrons, Audra, Bex, Clara, Drew, J. Bay Bay, Lexus, Mary, Morgan, Mother of Vikings, Sarah, Taylor, and BM Scotty. You all, I hope that if you want to, you can be taken away to a Christmas town and fall in love with, I don't know, like an architect or something. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like wake up in the third generation of a small family business that is struggling, but maybe through the media, but maybe through the magic of like, I don't know, TikTok could suddenly find a whole new audience. I love that. Now, Julia, before the call, you were really, really excited to tell me about the book you're reading. Why don't you share with me and with the conspirators what you've been enjoying? Oh, Amanda, it's called Black Sun by Rebecca roan horse and oh gosh it's got everything it's got like indigenous north american mythology it's got different clans it's got different character perspectives and point of view which i know you Mm. love and i love i love switching things up oh yeah and i am just like i'm at the climax of the story right now because the whole story is counting down to this one event oh my gosh i'm like two days away from the event and i'm so Ah. very excited i'm like "Ah." (laughs) i love that i love a ticking clock book and i know that you and i both love an alternate point of view book i feel like that meme of the woman from Drunk History where it's like I had to stop reading about this book because I started going crazy like the one character would say a lie I'd just scream (laughs) (laughs) that sounds amazing and as always you can find a link to buy Black Sun at spiritspodcast.com slash books And if you're looking for a new podcast to fill your earbuds as you're walking to your local independent bookstore to pick up your copy of Black Sun, you should check out Horse. This is a podcast all about the ridiculous stories, internet drama, and some of the biggest and baddest personalities out there today. All of the above uh, comes from the world of basketball. Hosts Adam Mamawala and Mike Schubert want the world to know how amazing the history and culture of basketball is. And there are years worth of episodes for you to listen to and catch up on for Horse. So check out Horse in your podcast app or go to horsehoops.com to learn more about show. I feel like if you like holiday tropes, you'll also like horse because they kind of talk about those weird happenstances, but in real life and in basketball, even better. Well, Julia, I know that you want to get back to your book and I know the listeners are going to love this holiday episode. So everybody have a great week and enjoy Spirits Podcast episode 263, The Holiday Rom-Com. Julia, Eric, welcome to Amanda Makes a Case for Why Romance is a uh, Useful and Valuable Trope. Oh, hello. This is a new segment here on the show. What's up? Yes. It's a new genre where we're trying some new stuff next year that I'm very excited about. And one of them is going to be like examining like roundups of tropes and mythy tropes, tropes and myths, myth tropes in pop culture, all, all kinds of stuff. And one of the things that we wanted to do is like all take a different weird slash good holiday rom-com, perhaps bad, spoiler, mine's bad, and talk about them and what the tropes are and why they are and what they mean. And I'm just very excited to be here. I'm also excited to be here. I love this idea, Amanda. I'm really glad that you took the initiative to come up with it. And I'm really excited to talk about it. I was thrilled to be included in uh, Spirits (laughs) Celebrates Lady in Red Dress Guy in Green Sweater-a-thon. Or vice versa. I am looking at the poster for mine or one of mine Mm. and my lady is in a green dress and the guy's in a red sweater. That's the only reason I brought it up. You got to watch a different movie because we're celebrating Lady in Red Dress Guy in green sweater-a-thon. Oh, my mistake. My mistake. My movie is Kathy and Jimmy in holiday apparel and two men who are falling in love. So, you know, it's a whole lot of things available to us. But first, guys, I wanted to check in. How is your uh, month of holiday here in the McLaughlin Silver household? Already had Hanukkah. So that was the, you know, our our present exchanging and latke making and, you know, having a fun time. But how about y'all? It's good. So my apartment is rather small. And since we are planning on moving out of it soon, we didn't really decorate for this year. So we don't 
don't have an apartment-sized tree and I can't break out all of my cool, funky Christmas ornaments. But we do celebrate by, one, making a lot of cookies, which we haven't started yet, but it's coming. I can feel it on the air. I can smell <laughs> the, the butter and the sugar on the air. But we do celebrate by watching just all of the Christmas Hallmark movies that we can get our hands on. So that's why I was very excited about taking on this mantle. We haven't done too much festive stuff, but we, we've got our tree up and we've got a handful of decorations. We're not big like holiday decorators, but we have a few things from, from our childhood and stuff that we, we put up around the house. And uh, other than that, just uh, planning on our big travel plans for the uh, Christmas time events and uh, figuring out all that. But yeah, it's it's been good so far. I really like the tree being lit when I come down now that it's daylight savings time, it's on a timer. So when I come downstairs, Aww. it's already got a nice glow down there instead of being mm. like pitch black at 5 p.m. Uh, <laughs> that's not a complaint about the time change. The time change is nothing. It's very simple to get used to. But it is nice to just kind of have like not walking into darkness when you, when you when you enter the living room. Totally. I think the menorah plays a similar role where, you know, you light it, you're meant to light it kind of just before sundown when there's still 30 minutes or so of dark enough that people can see it from outside, but not so dark that no one outside. So part of the symbolism is like, hey, like, look, you know, we want to share and show you guys that this is uh, happening. So you light it just before pure dark, but then by the time the menorah goes out, out, then it's like, okay, it's proper dark. It's like 10 p.m. Fair enough. I think that the fact that so many human beings are like, hey, it's quite a dark time of year and we want some kind of excuse to like celebrate and use lights is very fun and happens across all kinds of winter holidays. We love that. Bringing light to darkness. That's what all the winter holidays are really about. Yeah, it's very nice. And fake fiancés to Christmas dinners. Yes. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. So, Amanda, do you want us to start by, like, giving some explanations of the movies that we watched? Or do you want to kind of give us the tropes as we go? How do you want to do this? First, I would love to hear from you guys. So we all know here on Spirits that I've gotten very into reading romance as an escapist hobby during the pandemic, particularly. Sure, sure. Julia and I both have, like, read fan fiction and, and loved it since we were kids, which takes a lot from romance. And Schneider, as a movie fan, like, I know that you love different movie tropes and examining them. What are your feelings on on rom-coms as a genre? Is it a thing you find silly? How about holiday rom-coms? Yeah, I mean, I I don't have a ton of experience in the, in the rom-com, specifically like the modern Hallmark Netflix ones. But I mean, rom-coms are a pretty like well-established genre of film going back to like the 40s. There's some like killer old school rom-coms on the Criterion channel, if you have that. I mean, and they're they're great. I think there's a lot of stuff. I think the, those older ones are really fun because they always have like the triple threats where you got a little dancing in them too. I feel like there's not oh, enough yeah. dancing and like singing in, in, the, in the modern rom-coms. Mm. But yeah, I think they do get a bad rap. I think much like Fast and Furious, these movies know what they are. And they are not meeting you at like a, oh, this is some other thing. And you know what you're getting and it delivers on what you're getting. Now, there's there some wide variation on quality within that genre, of course. But like what something is doing is what it's doing. And you can't fault it for not being Scorsese or Citizen Kane <laughs> just because it's a rom-com. It's a rom-com and there are good rom-coms and there are bad rom-coms within that lane. Mm. There totally are. I think that's fair. I do like that usually in Christmas rom-coms, we do get at least a little bit of singing and a little bit of dancing, typically. Yes. But I agree that there should be more singing and dancing in all rom-coms across the board. So with this grounding of kind of all of our experiences with it, and I just like, I eat rom-coms up. I, I love them a lot. Julia, I know that you went above and beyond the call of duty here. We asked each of us to choose a holiday streaming movie and watch it. I heard you chose several. So I chose two, one because I chose my initial one, which is Christmas Under Wraps, a classic Hallmark one. It's from 2014. I will tell you a little bit about it later. But then I heard that you guys didn't really enjoy your movies. <laughs> it was bad. And I felt bad about that. And I was already in the process of watching a new one from Netflix, which is A Castle for Christmas. And I decided to bring that one as well. A Castle for Christmas? They must have reached their Patreon goal. <laughs> 
like us, maybe one day we too can have a castle for, for Christmas. Christmas. That would be nice. Tell us about these movies, Julia. So we'll we'll go through the plots of each of them, and then I think we'll we'll do a little a little pull them on back and talk about tropes and why they mean something and and what it means to like make these movies part of our annual traditions. Awesome. So I'll start with the Christmas under wraps because that was my initial pick, and it's one of my classics because it is truly buck wild when I explain the concept to you. Yes. There's really no plot to it, but there is this weird subplot to it that I can't fully explain. So the basic idea of the thing is an aspiring surgeon is turned down from a fellowship. So she takes a temporary position working as a general practitioner in a small Alaskan town in an effort to boost her resume. Incredible. That classic surgeon to typical doctor path that everyone does. It's not that you pick a lane and stick to one of those two. You bounce between the two. That's literally what fellowships are supposed to be is specialization, but whatever. So this has Candace Cameron Burr, who you might remember as the oldest daughter DJ from Full House. Of course. Mm -hmm. And she is in a lot of Hallmark movies, let me tell you. So many. So very many. But she plays the doctor, Dr. Lauren Burnell, and she is... You know, like a aspiring great doctor at the beginning of the movie. She's like, oh, I, thank you for helping me assist in the surgery. And the like elder doctor, the mentor doctor is like, Dr. Brunel, you did the surgery. You get to tell the, <laughs> the family that he's going to be okay. <laughs> and she's like, okay, great. <laughs> and of course, in classic Hallmark Christmas movie fashion, she also has a bad boyfriend at the beginning because that's always something that they have is like someone who is not right for them. And then they either break up or there's like a miscommunication and she falls in love with someone else while they're still dating. Oh, yes. Which is, you know, it is what it is. But anyway, she gets broken up with because she thinks bad boyfriend is going to propose. He's actually like, no, I'm actually going to break up with you. And so she decides to like take a chance because she doesn't get the fellowship she wants and take a chance by going off to this town called Garland, Alaska. Mm. Oh, what a Hallmark Christmas mm-hmm. name. Oh, oh, it gets so much worse <laughs> in the best possible way. So she goes to Garland, she gets to the airport, and she meets this guy there whose name is Andy Holiday, because of course it is. Mm. Wow. Okay. And we find out that he is like the handyman around town, but he also used to be an architect who lived in Seattle, mm. but he moved back to Garland because his dad runs the family business in Garland, which is holiday shipping. Oh, holiday shipping? Mm-hmm. Holiday shipping. Oh, the company is named Holiday Shipping. Yes. Right. I thought it was I thought it specialized in just shipping stuff during the holidays. I was like, that's not sustainable at all. <laughs> no, not quite. And so she gets there and like almost immediately they kind of start using this phrase that makes it seem like the town is a cult where it's like she's all, she like points out weird stuff that's happening in the town and they're just like that's garland for you and they say that throughout <laughs> the entire movie <laughs> anytime something weird happens they're like that's garland for you she's like i tried to order warm clothes online because i'm from san francisco and i wasn't prepared for alaska and they're like oh yeah you know uh no one ships up here only holiday shipping ships out and she's like that makes no sense and they're like that's garland for you like, what's happening Happening. Oh no. Julie, I've also read a number of romances set in Alaska and it's very common because I, you know, as we'll talk about like the, the trope of like remoteness and like cutting off access and stuff, you know, it forces reckoning in a way that other settings and plots don't. But the logistics of shipping things to Alaska, I feel like I am now an expert having read, you know, five or 10 books, uh, which involve people from outside Alaska being unable to get things because it's Alaska and everyone's like, yeah, it's Alaska. <laughs> like, what do you want? Yes. It's like truly just this movie is so buck wild. I'm going to get to like the weird subplot now. So eventually we meet Andy's dad, Frank Holiday, right? And Frank, immediately upon meeting him, Dr. Brunel is like, has anyone ever told you you look like Santa Claus? And he's like, ha ha ha. And then just doesn't like respond to that at all. <laughs> and also, fun fact, Frank is played by Brian Doyle Murray, who is Bill Murray's brother. Oh. What? Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I see the Bill Murray resemblance here. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he's there. He's playing Frank. And so basically, she's just like doing doctor stuff. It's like becomes very apparent that this is an extremely small town because she like treats someone for like a cut on his leg. And then like literally the next scene, someone has sent her flowers. And she's like, I just released that person. How did you know that I did that? <laughs> and it's just like, it's just wild. And anyway, they they continue on. She's like just is getting to know this guy a lot more, et cetera, et cetera. At one point, he takes her on a date. A holiday. A holiday. Yes. We'll get a, we'll get to that later. But he takes her on a date where they get onto a plane and she's like, oh, this is beautiful. This is the date. And he's like, no. And then he just like takes her into the middle of the woods. They sit on a bench and they look at the northern lights. Okay. I mean, mm. pretty good date. Sure. Yeah. And so like the main conflict is that she finds out that she actually got the fellowship in Boston or whatever. But now she's trying to decide whether or not to stay here and like wh- the thing that like she's leaving and the thing that makes her stay is the fact that they ask her to come back they're like Rudy hurt his leg we need you doctor and she's like okay I'm coming back immediately and so she comes back and Rudy is of course a reindeer oh, oh. man mm-hmm. oh wow but she's not a she's not a deer doctor she's a person doctor yeah the classic assumption that human doctors and vets can do the same things mm-hmm. they can't they really can't. Y'all see that video of a reindeer running the other day? Have you ever seen no. one of these these guys run? No. no. Is it scary? Their bodies don't move. What? <laughs> their legs just move and their bodies stay perfectly <laughs> parallel. And it's apparently much more energy efficient. Oh, yeah. Sure. Like a cheetah. Yeah. Yeah. It's so weird like because every other deer or four-legged animal has the whole like not gallop a horse is the galloping one but like cheetahs everything runs and like the whole body moves not reindeer just horizontal body the whole time here's a question for you Mm -hmm. predator coming toward you out of the bush Mm -hmm. would you rather it's a reindeer and the body is still but just the legs move Or it's a reindeer-sized chicken where the head is focused on you, but the body and wings and everything else is moving. That's a velociraptor, Amanda. What you've described is a velociraptor, and I want no part of it. But you know how chickens, like, they had, like, that gyroscopic thing where, like, the head stays still? Yeah, I think that's creepier. Yeah, I would rather take my chances with with the reindeer. I feel like I could handle the blunt force trauma of the reindeer (laughs) more than the pecking and sharp little teeth of, of a giant chicken. Yeah. I'm realizing what we did today is basically record an Urban Legends episode where the Urban Legends are instead Hallmark (laughs) movies, and I'm really enjoying it. Uh, Yes, Yes. that's great, though. So to finish out this movie, she decides to stay. But like the whole entire movie, and this is the weird subplot, it's just heavily, heavily implying that Frank is Santa Claus and Mm -hmm. that Andy one day is going to have to take over the business. Like at one point, she's invited over to their house for dinner, which is not really dinner. It's just milk and cookies. And she sees like an elf run by and she's like, I just saw an elf. And Andy's like, what are you talking about? That's Garland for you. And then invites her inside. At one point, like one of the workers at holiday shipping is injured on the job which is not great and he's like oh i hurt my hand she's like how did you hurt your hand he's like oh with a hammer and then pulls out like a tiny little hammer he's like it's a toy making (laughs) hammer and she's like okay okay sure and the movie just ends where it's like frank comes out and Andy turns to Dr. Brunel and is like, listen, there's something that I haven't told you about Garland and my family. And she's like, that's Garland for you. And then we just see Frank fly away in the sled with a reindeer. And that's the end of the movie. Wow. Oh, wow. It's never addressed. It's never outright stated. It just happens. Wow. I feel like I've seen the whole movie, Julia. That was a very good summary. Thank you. I tried my best. It's one that I watch almost every year, so I know it very well. Yeah. Truly. Truly buckwild. Now, Amanda, tell me the tropes behind that, because I know Bad Boyfriend, obviously a trope here. It definitely is, as is, you know, high-powered city lady who finds greater fulfillment in a small town. Mm -hmm. And lots of the tropes that we're going to talk about today, they're heteronormative. They're not great. Like, they, you know, they have roots that are like, oh, you know, surely you can't have it all in the big city making money. What you really need is, you know, to, like, be someone's wife. Um, And ultimately, we can, like, take from this what we want. You know, we can take from it the feeling that, you know, sometimes you do, like, follow the career ladder and you're like, God, you know, surely there is more than this. And finding 
finding neighbors, finding community, finding purpose, finding a place where you're needed and wanted is really nice. I want to like give us permission to, you know, to take from these things what makes us feel cozy and comfy and point to the ways in which it's it's not inclusive and say, you know, not not my version of this. That's fair. I feel like there is a certain like appeal to the smaller town charm living that especially the Hallmark movies try to do with their Christmas films. You're absolutely right. It's always the high powered lady comes to small town and discovers, oh, the true meaning of Christmas, because obviously the true meaning of Christmas doesn't exist in big cities, Amanda. Yes. And these movies are very white. They are very Christian, <laughs> particularly the Hallmark ones are almost all Christmas centric. It's not until recent years where we've had like a token Hanukkah movie, a token movie with a black lead, a token movie that, you know, is set somewhere without snow. And so this is something that's ongoing. And I think other streaming services are trying to add to the body of work as well. And Emily Vanderwerf, past and future guest, wrote a really great article, a deep dive in 2018, all about the Hallmark movie industrial complex and how there's like Hallmark cons and they make like dozens of Christmas movies a year. And this as a sort of content mill, which is really fascinating. And we will link to in the description. You know, what's also extremely fascinating that I found doing some research on the Hallmark films. Tell me. Almost all of them were horror directors before they got roles in the Hallmark films, like before they directed Hallmark films. Well... Wow. I love that. There are a lot of there are a lot of jokes, but also talk about genre players. Like, you know, we were saying earlier, you know the genre tropes and you know how to tell effective stories in a limited time. A useful thing here, which maybe is obvious to other people, but wasn't obvious to me at first, is that rom-coms and romance generally is all about circumstance. And a holiday romance is a perfect pressure cooker of circumstance. Like think about the things that holidays involve, right? They're big events, they're high stakes gatherings, they're atypical mixes of people you're getting together or going places that you wouldn't do other times of year. And also each of us confronting our expectations for our lives and our families and our roles in our families and and their roles in our lives. And it's just a real kind of pressure cooker situation. Yeah, there's nothing more stressful than the holidays. So adding having to fall in love on top of everything definitely creates conflict, which is what movies need. They do. There's definitely a solution for all of that stress around the holidays. Oh, what is it? Is it having a holiday? It's having a holiday. And we'll get to that holiday right after this refill. Woo! Eggnog for me! We are sponsored this week by Tab for a Cause, one of our oldest sponsors and one that I love to recommend because this is a way that you can raise money for charity by just doing your thing online and opening up new tabs, which I do dozens of times a day, every day long. They basically are a browser extension that is open source. Also, the code for their tab page, their browser extensions, and even their own website are open source, which is amazing. And they publish quarterly financial reports so you can see how much they give to each charity and what all the other costs of running the company are. But basically, you just install it and then they show you a pretty image and an ad as you're opening up a new tab. And that ad money raises money for charity. You're doing ads, but for good. It's great. It's great stuff. And you can sign up for Team Spirits and we can see each month how much money Team Spirits raises just by using Tab for a Cause. And it's so exciting because it's like, hey, we're all just living our lives and giving back a little bit at tabforacause.org slash spirits. That's tabforacause.org slash spirits. Amanda, did you know that you can actually win the holidays this year? What? Yeah, you can actually take your traditional holiday gifts or your holiday desserts and you can notch it up to 11 with an epic milk bar treat. You might have heard of Milk Bar. It was started by Christina Tosi in 2008 and she has been wowing the world with her unique spin on iconic flavors ever since. They make the perfect gift for anyone and everyone in your life and they have some incredible bestsellers like their signature birthday cake. They have the salty sweet compost cookie. They have my personal favorite, which is the milk bar pie, which is a toasted oak crust with a gooey butter center. And those seasonal treats, Julia, like my favorite, the peppermint pretzel snaps. Give me a covered with anything pretzel. I'll enjoy it. But these ones are so delicious. But you can get it overnight nationwide delivery just order it they're flash frozen so it keeps it nice and fresh and they offer that very quick delivery i absolutely am ordering one to bring to christmas at my mother-in-law's this year because i want that sweet sweet pie and it's a bonus for everyone else that they also get it and you can get it delivered right to her house so you don't have to travel with it which is amazing exactly and right now milk bar has a special limited time offer you can get ten dollars off any order of fifty dollars or more when you go to milkbarstore.com 
milkbar.com slash spirits. You'll get 10 bucks off an order of $50 by going to milkbarstore.com slash spirits, milkbarstore.com slash spirits. And finally, Julia, we are sponsored by She's Birdie. And in your normal life, taking a walk around your neighborhood, running errands, wherever you're going, you want to feel safe. And sometimes that peace of mind can be in the form of a personal safety alarm like Birdie, which is easy to carry and simple to use. Basically, you pull this adorably colorful keychain and Birdie has a strobe light and a loud 130 decibel siren. So unlike something like pepper spray, Birdie is not a danger to you. It can just be something that you can carry and feel confident with and know that you can use if you need to call attention to yourself. And it can also go wherever you do. It has an adorable brass keychain, like I said, and comes in many colors. So you can put one in each bag or attach it to your keys or do whatever is useful for you. You can also read reviews from real users on their website and join their flock. Right now, She's Birdie is offering our listeners 15% off your first purchase when you go to she'sbirdie.com slash spirits. Go to she's birdie, spelled S-H-E-S-B-I-R-D-I-E dot com slash spirits for 15% off your first purchase. That's she'sbirdie.com slash spirits. And now let's get back to the show. Guys, this week, this episode, we are drinking some mead, some craft mead that was sent to us by a listener. Huge shout outs to Maddie and Maggie, who have sent us amazing mead from a kosher woman-run B Corp cidery in Vermont, uh, Grunfell. We love it. It's so delicious. I saw Amanda this past week, and when I was in the office, she's like, hey, and just like pushed some mead towards me, be like, take this home with you. I was like, take this mead. I'll sneak it in my backpack. Okay. I feel scandalous. Like I'm a 17 year old trying to drink under the age again. <laughs> it's incredible. It, it's like cider. Like there is a hopped mead that smells mm. like a beer, but tastes like a cider. There's the cranberry mead, which is my favorite, which is kind of like a, a sour, but not quite as bitter. It's like a, like a lovely kind of fruity light cider, but it's mead. It's naturally gluten-free. God, it's so good. If you are in uh, Vermont or in the Northeast and able to find Grunfell Meadery, uh, highly recommend it. You can also buy it online. Check it out. It's so good. I like the amber one. That one's my favorite, I think. And you know, a conspirator is the CFO. So, you know, what more could you like? That's how you know it's good. So, Eric, I have a lot of holiday problems. Can you tell me how I can find a holiday? So, yeah. So I watched the movie Holiday because I saw a tweet about it like a week before we decided to do this episode. Oh, no, it said, Eric. I said, that's the one I'm going to pick. And I did. And I'm not going to be too down on this movie. I'm going to try to stay as positive as possible. But I will say this is a movie for horny Republicans. <laughs> oh. It's very strange. It's a very strange experience. The movie starts with Emma Roberts learning from her very horny aunt played by Kristen Chenoweth. Fuck yeah. That what you should do for the holidays to not get questions about things is just pick up a random person and have them be your holiday. So then no one asks you about this. So Emma Roberts then meets this fine fellow, this Australian lad. Mm -hmm. He becomes her holiday for a series of holidays throughout the film. So it's not just a Christmas movie. It's not just a Christmas movie. Honestly, it's primarily not a Christmas movie, it turns (laughs) out. It starts at Christmas, and the trailer made it look very Christmas-centric, but it's not all super Christmassy. But I mean, like, it's very holiday-y still. So like, all this stuff could be happening at Christmas. Still a rom-com. It's still a rom-com. I say... The thing about this movie that is particularly strange is it feels like it was made by someone who wants to hearken back to a time that simply doesn't exist anymore because both the meet-cute, one of the holidays, another scene, and the climax happened at a mall. Oh. Just the mall. The mall is a primary location in this film. As if everyone is at the mall. They bump into each other at the mall multiple times. It's wild. I mean, maybe this person who wrote this film was also a child of the like mid 2000s and so that's what we did with ourselves was we went to the mall because we had no yeah. other way of doing things yeah yeah or like access to places and this is really interesting Schneider because my movie is kind of like pandering to coastal millennials mm-hmm. in the way that yours is perhaps like mid-country republicans <laughs> that's that's very funny yeah it's it's very strange I also I, I mentioned that it's horny because they use a lot of like lingo that just feels feels like they want to sex it up, but it's not written (laughs) cleverly in any particular way. So they just say things that are like, 
unnecessary and strange and just very strange. Was it mostly from Kristen Chenoweth? Because I feel like that's her specialty. A lot of it was from Kristen Chenoweth, but it's kind of across the board with like Mm -hmm. every character just saying something kind of strange and provocative and like unnecessary swearing. There's a character that's real tight buttoned where they just make her say fuck a lot. And it's just like, what? Like like a one character forces the other character to just say fuck a lot. And it's just very strange. So the basic plot is Emma Roberts meets this man at the mall. Shockingly, they come up with the holiday idea because Kristen Chenoweth had told her at Christmas holiday. And then they go on a series of holidays throughout the year. And obviously, they have a falling out at one of the holidays. And then they bring it back together at another holiday. And then they do the whole call out to him in the crowd at the mall also. Classic. (laughs) Uh, Just a truly, truly spectacular experience. But I've brought to this episode a game. Oh? Titled, Holiday or Don't. (laughs) Okay. Oh my God, incredible. In which I will be listing off a number of holidays and you will be telling me if you need to bring a holiday to them. Now, remember, the premise of the holiday is so that your family isn't asking you questions. Why aren't you married? Where are the kids? Blah, blah, blah. This is to avoid questions. I've brought a date. I've done my job. Fascinating. I will say as an adult, you'll still get those questions even if you bring a date to a holiday. It's true. Yeah. And like we've said on previous episodes, you can always say things like, what a strange question to ask. That seems personal. Quite invasive, Aunt Midge. I'm going to go get ice. Excuse me. Lots of ways to deal with this. But Schneider, loving the premise. Yeah. Let's go. So let's start. I think we'll just go straight through the year. Okay. New Year's Eve. Yes. Oh, I think holla don't. Just find a, find a stranger to kiss. You know what Ooh. I mean? Mm. Now, it is... Yes, bring a holiday to New Year's Eve. Oh, there's definitive answers to these. Okay, good. Oh, yes. I will be telling you if the movie presents this as a seed in which a holiday is present. Okay, sure. You need a holiday. The answer is yes, in the movie, they have brought a holiday. You can't show up to Christmas with your holiday and then break up by New Year's, right? So like you got to do it. Yeah. I feel like New Year's is the correct choice because if you're at a party and it's mostly all other couples, you're just not going to get that kiss in. Right. Here we go. The Super Bowl. No. Oh, yeah. I think they would want you to bring a holiday to a Super Bowl party. The answer is no. The Super Bowl is not featured in holiday. (laughs) Oh, of course not. Guys, I'm so stupid because they would have to call it the big game. Yeah. Yeah, because they legally cannot use the term Super Bowl. Fuck. Does the movie present Valentine's Day in the holiday? I feel like that's not one that you celebrate with your family. Mm. So Mm. I wouldn't feel obligated to bring a holiday. Right. Amanda. I agree with that logic. Okay. Well, the movie does have a scene for Valentine's Day. Now, this is one where, once again, they are at the ball. She runs into an ex and he sees her because he's also at the ball because they're always at the ball uh-huh. and jumps in and is the holiday. But they're not going out and celebrating it. So I would say you are correct, but the movie does show up anyways. Okay. St. Patrick's Day. So I know the movie does have this because mm. I've seen the trailer, uh-huh. but I disagree that one needs a holiday for St. Patrick's Day. Yes, I've been single on a number of St. Patrick's Days and never received any questions about it. It's fine. Because you're just drinking with friends all day. Great day to be single. Eric Silver did say to me the other day, Amanda, it's 100 days till St. Patrick's Day start preparing. And my siblings thought that was the funniest joke they'd ever heard. (laughs) Let's go with Easter. Probably. The resurrection of Christ. Also, given that this movie is for horny Republicans, I'm going to say yes. Mm. However, do you want to depict hijinks on on Easter, Christianity's big holy Mm. holiday? Oh, do you? (laughs) (laughs) This movie does say fuck a lot, so I wouldn't be surprised. I guess so. I mean, it's all about fertility, right? Mm. The answer is yes. And do, are there hijinks? Kristen Chenoweth wears a Playboy Bunny outfit to this holiday. Oh, fuck yeah, she does. Kristen. I love this for her. I just want to point out that if nothing else, watching holiday rom-coms is really worth it because there are a number of actors in their 50s and 60s who are just like living a really laudable like spinster or older woman mm-hmm. or just like wine aunt life. Like my movie has Kathleen and Jimmy and Jennifer Coolidge in it. And that's the only reason to watch it. Oh, um, yeah. And it's a good reason. Damn. Let's go with Mother. 
Mother's Day. No. What? No. no. Oh, but yes, you do need to bring your holiday <laughs> to your luncheon with your mother for Mother's Day. Of course you do. Oh, Shouldn't my. your date be with his mother? Uh, she's in Australia. Oh, okay, fine. Oh, my. Here's a tricky one. Memorial Day. No, surely not, Eric. Can't surely be. not. Unless there's a parade or a ceremony at the mall. Mm, Gotta mm. be like Labor Day instead of Memorial you Day. You are correct. No for Memorial Day. Okay, oh, thank God. Thank God. There's another trick about Father's Day. I feel like the mother is asking questions. That's why you bring it. Your dad doesn't care if you bring a date to Father's Day. Correct. Okay, you are correct. Father's okay. Day is not featured. Phew. <laughs> now let's go with Independence Day. Fourth of July? Sure. Yeah, I mean, you got to show the passage of time, right? So this this holiday has to be in there. Yes. Yes, and in this scene, the, the love interest does blow off his finger with an M80. Oh, fuck yeah, dog. And a character does say fuck a lot. This is much grittier than I expected. I want to say to everybody, do not watch this movie. You will not like it. <laughs> I watched Red Notice two weeks before I watched this movie, and this was worse. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot. How about Labor Day? Yes. If we skipped Memorial Day, I'll say Labor Day yes. I'm going to say Labor Day no, hmm. because I think 4th of July fills that like summer holiday slot. That's fair. That's fair. Now I'm going to give you I'm going to give you a twist on this one. This one's tricky because it's also a wedding. Someone's having a wedding uh, on Labor oh, Day. Oh, sure. So now do you need a holiday? That's tacky. Certainly yes, then. This is the moment where it really becomes tense between our two characters. Oh, no. I thought you were going to tell me that this was another one set at the mall because of the Labor Day sales. <laughs> uh, no, unfortunately not. <laughs> unfortunately not. Do they go Black Friday shopping at the mall? They don't go Black Friday shopping oh, at the mall. I did not put Black Friday on there because obviously Thanksgiving. All right, here we go. Halloween. If you're like attending a party, I would say yes. They are attending a Halloween party. Because couples costumes. Sure. Mm. I was worried perhaps there would be some kind of like anti-satanic uh, bias here, but mm. I think this is a different flavor of Republican movie. Yes, yes. Halloween, they do they do bring someone to. Now, what about Election Day, November 2nd? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Not a federal holiday, but also not necessary to bring a holiday to, according to the movie. Should be a federal holiday, though. Thanksgiving. Yes. Certainly. Absolutely. Certainly. Yes. Thanksgiving, they are in there. And finally... Christmas. Of course. Of course you need your holiday to Christmas. It's what the movie precipitates itself on. I mean, this is where they confess their true feelings, right? Yeah. Yes. The showing of feelings once again happens at the mall during Christmas shopping season. Obviously. But they presumably are now a couple. They're actually not bringing a holiday to Christmas because now they're just bringing a regular a date. date. Ah, uh, this movie sounds like it sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's something else. It's very strange. I cannot not recommend seeing it enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, Schneider, I have a great recommendation instead, which is to not watch Single All the Way. Mm. <laughs> or perhaps to put it on or to like have a couple drinks with friends and then like have it on in the background of a party so you can kind of talk over it and just like support Michael Yuri's career while not necessarily spending a lot of your life watching this movie because I found it to be a little cringy, a little over the top, but it is gay and therefore worth talking about. <laughs> so this is the deal with Single All the Way. Very similar premise with all the details are different. Uh, so, so here, <laughs> our protagonist, Peter, is an L.A.-based social media strategist. So he he's a millennial. He has a millennial job. And his roommate, who he likes a lot, Nick, they're close. They've lived together for a long time. They're pretty codependent, I think, in a way that I don't really want to examine that closely. <laughs> but Nick is a children's book author and also is a task rabbit. It's like Task Rabbit wrote the movie. It's like this is SpawnCon for Task Rabbit because Nick is like, wow, it's so nice that I get to work anywhere I want and be flexible and have lots of gigs and like I help people and that's what a Task Rabbit is. This oh, is almost no. definitely sponsored by Task Rabbit. I'm convinced. I'm gonna do a quick Google. Yeah, please, let's dig into this. I think it was Emily Vanderer who also tweeted about like, hey, this was puzzling. It sure was. It was very strange and it's glorifying the gig economy in a way that I can't really stand for. I want to read to you when you Google single all the way task rabbit the first article is single all the way worst moments in the netflix holiday movie and then the second one is from cnn and it says single all the way is a necessary queer fantasy and i'm like someone 
fucked up here. I want to point something out real quickly. Yes. Me and Amanda both chose Netflix movies. And I think we did that under the premise of one, they're readily available. But also because there was that like Christmas Prince movie a few years ago that everyone was like, it's pretty good. Yeah. The Christmas Prince is one of the best Netflix movies. Excuse me. Yeah, exactly. So I think we were I think we were tricked into thinking that like, oh, Netflix has become good at making these types of movies. And the case is Netflix made one good movie, possibly maybe another. And no other holiday movies that they have on their platform are good. So maybe Julius has something correct in that, like the Hallmark Lifetime ones are the good ones still. And Netflix just got lucky once. So my other choice was also a Netflix one, and I'll talk about it after Amanda's finished. But I do want to say, I think Netflix has created this kind of, and this is going to sound really silly, but Netflix has kind of created this like extended universe of Netflix Christmas movies that include yes. the Christmas Prince, the Christmas Switch, and now A Castle for Christmas, where they're all like actually kind of weirdly about like royalty and also Christmas, mm. but that's besides the point. Yes. Eventually all the royalty will go to war <laughs> in the big finale. That's the end game. Not if they all intermarry. Oh no. That's literally what the Christmas Switch is about, but besides that point. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's also another one in that same franchise, I feel like, about like a knight who got transported back. Oh, Oh, yes, the time travel one. Yes. I love that one. Yep. That one's great. Yeah, it's time travel. It is good. But I think these are all specifically in this kind of oeuvre of Netflix original Christmas films. Mm. And I think the two that you guys chose are like outside of that. And so therefore, like, I don't want to say aren't as good, but aren't embodying what the, I guess, Netflix algorithm has decided is what a good Christmas movie is. And so I think that might have something to do with it. So what you're saying is we watch The Amazing Spider-Man 2 while (laughs) Avengers... Age of Ultron was happening. We watched like the other thing that's similar, but off by other people are making it. Yeah, I think so. And Julia, I think that you point out that a lens of fantasy of some way is really useful here, whether it's like thinking that Vanessa Hutchins could pass as Vanessa Hutchins's sister who nobody else thinks looks very similar, right? Or like they, they could swap and suddenly one of them is royalty or the fact of royalty in the first place, which for like, you know, 99.9 repeating percent of the world is a fantasy, like not anything that would we would have access to, or it's something as buck wild as time travel. And that night movie is pretty good. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. All of that stuff helps us suspend our disbelief, whereas rom-coms and romances that are just full contemporary and just like, hey, this is normal life, you know, it makes it more difficult to watch something like a fake dating scenario where, you know, my two characters here, Peter brings his roommate Nick back home for the holidays because he is like, God, I can't be single again because his boyfriend who he thought was perfect when his best friend Taskrabbit is setting up someone's Christmas lights, looks down and sees that it's the boyfriend who's actually married and uh, (laughs) lying to to everybody involved. It's another bad boyfriend, Amanda. You found it. It's another bad boyfriend. It's more difficult to sort of see the shenanigans happening where there is like obvious sexual tension and there is like a really useful shirtless shaving cream photo shoot that like displays for the first time like oh wow my feelings are really different to what I thought they were maybe it's actually a romance here and at the end obviously they moved to New England and opened up a small business together because that will spell success for their relationship long term (laughs) (laughs) but a lot of this is about perspective. And that is the thing I love most. One of my favorite romance authors um, is Sarah McLean, who has a really wonderful quote that she said once on on like an Insta story, I think, about writing romance, which is that like the biggest kind of tension and thing you have to keep in mind when writing romance, in her case novels, but I think this is true for movies as well, is that there must at every moment be a reason why the characters can't be together until they are. And then that is the resolution, right? And so all of these circumstances, like the obvious lies, right? (laughs) And the the, like deception and the tense, frustrating moments where I just want to yell at the screen or the book, like, just talk! Just stop lying. Just ask a question. Like, look behind you, you know, or like, don't say that. She's right behind you. Like all of these moments where it's like so obvious that if somebody just like said something, did something, saw something, realized something, the whole thing could be over. Like that is the beautiful tension. And that is the dance where you are invested and you're a little frustrated, but not quite enough that you turn it off. I think that is really, really accurate because 
my movie has none of that. And that's probably why, <laughs> because the whole, the whole premise is they are together. Right. They are going on these fake dates. So the reason they aren't in love with each other yet is just because they are both kind of insufferable. Yeah. And they just don't want to be with each other, but they are with each other under this premise of like, we don't want all the questions. <laughs> so like, that makes a lot of sense because like, there is no tension because we know the basic tropes. We know that there's going to be a fall out around 60 minutes and by the 90th minute they will be together we know all of that stuff and this movie lacks any of that tension because it's just kind of waiting because we're seeing them together in all of these series of dates but just not actually interested in each other so i think that's like extremely accurate and good good analysis on these types of things because it just doesn't exist in my film yeah <laughs> and i think that's actually a reason that some people don't like rom-coms is that the tension is oh please just say something to this person and everything will be solved yeah and because the solution is so easy it kind of like frustrates people i remember when i was first kind of getting into these hallmark christmas movies i'm just like why don't they communicate just talk oh my god it gave me like secondhand embarrassment or secondhand frustration being like just talk to each other but now i fucking love the pining i love the pining i'm here for it i love it too and i, I think eric that the the fake dating trope and i feel this way about single all the way as well it works really really well in novels when you can kind of explore someone's interiority mm. and when the journey of a romance novel is most usually changing your mind about somebody or most often about yourself. It's like, hey, this is what I expect. This is my narrative of myself. This is what I think I deserve or what I think happens to me in my life or what I think is going on. The challenge is like, you know, rethinking assumptions about yourself, your life, the other person. And that's why romance novels are ultimately not about like love and relationships, but about your relationship with yourself and your expectations. And like as corny as all this shit sounds, it is true. And I think that's why, you know, it is really kind of like escapist and soothing and comforting because by definition, there's going to be conflict. And for somebody like me who loves not conflict and whose you know favorite video games are farming and nothing bad happens <laughs> that's why i think it's still really useful because at the end of the day like you you get to go through something and watch a character go through something that all of us go through is like thinking about our narrative of ourself especially in the pressure cooker of the holidays especially around high stakes life events right like a sister's wedding a big holiday a move like saving a small business going to a small town like uniting against you know a real estate developer or whatever these situations kind of force you to rethink assumptions that otherwise are really comfortable to keep thinking forever. I'm really glad that holiday movies are keeping the 80s trope alive of the villain being a real estate developer. I think we yes. really lost. And I mean, now more than ever, we need evil real estate developers in our <laughs> movies. Hashtag now more than ever. It was such a thing in the 80s that, th that those were the villain. Like, I think that's the villain in like one of the Muppets movies is a real estate <laughs> developer. Yeah. So like, it's nice that like those movies are still like, he's gonna tear down the old town square and put up a skyscraper. I love that. I love that that still exists somewhere in our film lexicon. And you know what movie has that? Eric yes. as the kind of like yes. not exactly a real estate developer but like they're gonna seize it the banks are gonna seize it that would be a castle for Christmas anyone who looks like they would be in American Psycho is a good villain for your movie unfortunately for a castle for Christmas we never see the representative uh, of what the bank is it's just a looming figure it. of like the bank but much like life <laughs> truly much like life a castle for Christmas I actually very much enjoyed it has one flaw in that I feel as though, and this is like a criticism of a lot of the either Hallmark or just like general Christmas movies that I watch are, is that the plot very easily could have been set at not Christmas and still worked. Mm. I feel like you have to have Christmas like be something in there in order to make the movie like a true Christmas rom-com. Yeah. But in this case, it's just like they could have picked any date, but for some reason they picked Christmas. So the plot here and I won't get as deep as I got into Christmas Under Wraps but A Castle for Christmas is about a best-selling author who after a scandal after she killed like an extremely popular character in her series of books decides to go to Scotland because that's where her family is from and she falls in love with a castle and decides she wants to buy it but unfortunately she has to deal with the grumpy duke who owns it who is going to try to drive her away of course in order to raise enough money to have her break the contract that they 
went into and, you know, be able to keep the castle for another year because he's worried mm. about them foreclosing on him. That is elaborate. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things that I super liked about this movie that I feel like I haven't seen in a lot of other Christmas Hallmark movies or like rom-coms in general is that the main characters are older. Mm. The main character is Sophie and she's played by Brooke Shields who I think is like in her 50s or getting close to her 60s now. The grumpy Duke Miles is played by Carrie Elwes, who you might know from like Princess Bride and Robin Hood Men in Tights and stuff like that. So he's the mayor in season three of Stranger Things. I haven't watched that season, but still handsome. Still looking good. He looks great. It also hits one of my favorite tropes of all time, which is extremely grumpy man softens up because of woman. Of oh, course. yeah. Of oh, course. yeah. Like, you know, when she's like dancing around and stuff like that, and he's trying not to smile. You're like, oh, just smile, <laughs> you, you grumpy old man. The feminine urge to believe you can change him. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, she does. So she succeeds. Buck Wild part of this movie that has nothing to do with the plot. Weird, like Drew Barrymore cameo in this oh what's drew doing up in the mix brooke shields's character is an author and so she is invited on drew barrymore's talk show to talk about how she killed off this really famous character hmm. drew barrymore's real talk show does drew barrymore have a real talk show oh yeah oh yeah she has a famously very unhitched talk show <laughs> yes. well then yes she is invited wow. onto that. My film has a faux Ryan Gosling cameo in which a huh. man who is clearly supposed to be Ryan Gosling is blurry in the background picking up a carton of milk while they're talking about Ryan Gosling. Wow. There is no way it is actually Ryan Gosling, but it does look a lot like Ryan Gosling if he's just a little out of focus, which he is. That's incredible. That's like how in in Next Stop, uh, Multitudes Audio Sitcom, we had Justin McElroy play the role of David Boreanaz. And that's just my favorite fact about Next Stop. That's true. Yeah. That's true. And I love it. I really liked A Castle for Christmas. It was very enjoyable. And also, it's nice to have people who aren't in their 20s and 30s falling in love. It definitely is. Yeah. And there have been so many strides. Like, again, it's it's a real kind of starting from behind, like not nearly enough. And yet we're getting more examples of better representation in holiday rom-coms, different holidays, people of different genders, sexualities, abilities, you know, racial backgrounds, falling in love and being the main character. Listen, I love that this is a thing. They are often bad sometimes good, but it's pleasurable and comforting for a lot of people. And I think particularly in a time of year where like all of us to different extents, even if it's not a particular holiday, but kind of reflecting on the end of the year or just like, hey, it's dark outside. I'm sad about that. And I'm having thoughts about like my life and, and what I'm doing. It's useful and I don't know, escapist to think about making a change or about saying, hey, uh, everybody's expectations for what I need to do are crushing and people do extreme things. And maybe that helps you, you know, stand up a little bit or feel a little differently about what you feel in your own life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This is a season where I feel like a lot of people don't feel good going into the holiday season. And I think these movies are a little bit of escapism where we can feel good, if only for an hour and a half, a tight 90. Yeah. Exactly. And if you find yourself in a circumstance where you're like, okay, excellent, this is a great time to concoct an elaborate plan and kick off a romance novel or a rom-com movie, instead, perhaps communicate, ask a question, say a thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good signal to pay attention to. That's fair. That's fair. I know that you guys didn't enjoy your movies. Are there any other Christmas rom-coms or holiday rom-coms that you do enjoy that you want to recommend for the listeners? Is the Santa Claus a holiday? Is it, I mean, it's a holiday movie. Is it? I mean, do they? They're never really not in love during that. But but that that's that's a classic. I would say. Well. I would say the second Santa Claus where he has to find Mrs. Claus mm. is a holiday rom-com. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's not a rom-com, but we always watch Full Court Miracle, the 2003 Disney Channel original movie around this time of year because it is kind of the best Hanukkah movie out there. So that's the one I'm going to recommend. Awesome. And I will recommend a new one on Netflix as well that I texted Amanda about as soon as I started watching it, which is Love Hard. And it's extremely enjoyable and very very fun but let us know please tag us in your social in your insta story in your tweets if and when you watch either something gay or something fun this holiday season we'd love to see it heck yeah and remember as you're watching people fall in love and not communicating stay creepy stay cool stay merry Stay 
Spirits was created by Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Eric Schneider, with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us at Spirits Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr. We also have all of our episode transcripts, guest appearances, and merch on our website, as well as a form to send us in your urban legends and your advice from folklore questions at spiritspodcast.com. Join our member community on Patreon, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast, for all kinds of behind-the-scenes goodies. Just a dollar gets you access to audio extras with so much more, like recipe cards, both alcoholic and non-alcoholic, for every single episode, director's commentaries, real physical gifts, and more. We are a founding member of Multitude, an independent podcast collective and production studio. If you like spirits, you will love the other shows that live on our website at multitude.productions. Above all else, if you liked what you heard today, please text one friend about us. That's the very best way to help keep us growing. Thanks for listening to Spirits. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.